In fact, there's a hadith which says, مَثَلُ الَّذِي يَذْكُرُ رَبَّهُ وَالَّذِي لَا يَذْكُرُ رَبَّهُ كَمَثَلِ الْحَيِّ وَالْمَيِّتِ Very famous narration. The example of the one who remembers Allah and the one who does not is just like the example of the living one and the dead one. So if somebody never remembers Allah, they're like fully dead, spiritually fully dead. They're not getting anything. They're just literally going through the turns of this world, whether through enjoyment or otherwise, but they're getting nothing. If a person does it a bit, they're partially dead. So this is in a graded uh, level. But that's very, very true that the one who remembers Allah, their hearts will be alive. And when they're alive, that means they will take in things that they need to take in. And they will give things that they need to give that will provide a benefit in the hereafter. So their hearts are active. They're active in terms of the hereafter. That they're doing things in this world which are benefiting them in the hereafter and not harming them in the hereafter. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. والصلاه والسلام على المبعوث رحمه للعالمين وعلى اله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا الى يوم الدين اما بعد الله سبحانه وتعالى بلس ابن عطاء الله الاسكندري رحمه الله that he left behind such a wonderful collection of wisdoms and aphorisms truly a knower of Allah make Allah make us knowers of Allah and grant us ma'rifah so that we can gain closeness to him as well. Today, it's a very, very intuitive one that will make a lot of sense and put things in perspective. This is what Ibn Atta'illah says. It's number 48 on page 97. It's number 48 on page 97. This is what he says. He says, مِنْ عَلَامَاتِ مَوْتِ الْقَلْبِ عَدَمُ الْحُزْنِ عَلَى مَا فَاتَكَ مِنَ الْمُوَافَقَاتِ وَالتَّرْكُ النَّدْمِ عَلَى مَا فَعَلْتَهُ مِنْ وُجُودِ الزَّلَّاتِ مِنْ عَلَامَاتِ مَوْتِ الْقَلْبِ عَدَمُ الْحُزْنِ عَلَى مَا فَاتَكَ مِنَ الْمُوَافَقَاتِ وَالتَّرْكُ النَّدْمِ عَلَى مَا فَعَلْتَهُ مِنْ وُجُودِ الزَّلَّاتِ A sign of the heart's death is the absence of sadness over the acts of obedience that you have neglected. And the abandonment of regret over the mistakes that you have made. So it's a sign of the it's the sign of a dead heart that we feel no sadness about all of these days and months and years that have passed, in which we could have done, definitely could have done a lot more. And it doesn't bother us that we didn't. It doesn't bother us that we've wasted so much time and that we could have done more. And my hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that if somebody could even think that way, Allah is so generous that if He is willing on the Day of Judgment to turn all the bad deeds into good ones, if a person makes tawbah to give you a starting balance already, then I couldn't put it past Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's generosity that if a person genuinely felt that, that kind of remorse that the last 40 years, 50 years, 20 years, I've spent wasting my time, I could have done so much differently and then he seriously does it afterwards SubhanAllah, you know, you might even give us for the previous years right, what we wished we would have done so he said that's one of the signs of the heart and the other is that the abandonment of regret over the mistakes we have made we've made mistakes in the past, we have no regret over them sometimes um, I would say that out of the two 
out of the two, uh, feeling like we could have done more and feeling bad about that, and the other one is that feeling regret over what we shouldn't have done but we did. I think the second one is the one that generally if anybody feels like that would be the first thing we'd feel that, okay, I feel bad about the sins I've done. But I don't know if anybody actually feels, I've seen, I've, I've heard this very less from anybody that they would feel that, man, I've wasted so much time I could have done this. I do hear it. In fact, on one occasion, just to give you an idea, I was with another scholar in, it was in Hajj, I think. It was in Hajj or it was after Hajj. He goes for Hajj as well, but he always goes alone. And he says, the reason is I can focus more on my Hajj. I don't get bothered with anybody and so on. I always like to go with a group because you get to guide the group. You get to do your own Hajj and you get to guide the group because that's all free reward for you. So when I explained that to him that way, that don't you understand that you could literally get the reward of 300 more people or 500 more people, depending on how much the size of the group is. Because they all, they all, most people in Hajj need help. And the scholar is the most important thing in a Hajj group sometimes. So if you can guide them and they follow your guidance, you're going to get their reward as well. And then he's like, all of these years I've wasted my time. I should have done it then. So there are people who think about this. There are people, I wish I did this. I wish I'd done my hijz of the Qur'an. So there are people, I wish I'd continue my studies. I wished I did this. I wished I'd prayed all of these years. There are people who do that. But I would say that it's not something everybody thinks about. Now we can actually make it a point to think about that. So let us see what this is all about. So the way, where this all comes from is that Dhikr of Allah, which Allah constantly tells us to do in the Qur'an over and over again, remember your Lord, remember your Lord, remember the name of your Lord. The hadith tells us often. In fact, there's a hadith which says, مَثَلُ الَّذِي يَذْكُرُ رَبَّهُ وَالَّذِي لَا يَذْكُرُ رَبَّهُ كَمَثَلِ الْحَيِّ وَالْمَيِّتِ Very famous narration. The example of the one who remembers Allah and the one who does not is just like the example of the living one and the dead one. So if somebody never remembers Allah, they're like fully dead, spiritually fully dead. They're not getting anything. They're just literally going through the turns of this world, whether through enjoyment or otherwise, but they're getting nothing. If a person does it a bit, they're partially dead. So this is in a graded uh, level. But that's very, very true that the one who remembers Allah, their hearts will be alive. And when they're alive, that means they will take in things that they need to take in. And they will give things that they need to give that will provide a benefit in the hereafter. So their hearts are active. They're active in terms of the hereafter. That they're doing things in this world which are benefiting them in the hereafter and not harming them in the hereafter. So now, when we know this hadith is from the Prophet ﷺ, we want to try to understand what is a dead heart. And what is a living heart then? Because it's quite general to to just say the one who remembers Allah and the one who doesn't. So let's see if there's more to it. So now the ulama, through the different hadith there are, and so on, we've come up to the following conclusion, as Imam Ibn Ata'illah says. He only mentions two signs. So there are generally three causes for the death of the heart. Um, we're going to explain this in a bit of detail. There are three causes for the death of the heart. The first one is love for the world. Love for the world. Now again, I've clarified this many times. When you say love for the world, it's completely fine to love things in this world for the right reason. 
if they're taking you somewhere, if they're doing something for you for the right reason, for the sake of Allah. If it's there for the sake of Allah and to reach Allah and to please Allah and to fulfill our obligations by Allah, then that's fine. But loving the dunya purely for the sake of loving and being obsessed by it, that's the problem. So it's completely fine to have a good job, a good business, good clothes and everything else, as long as it's done not with the wrong reason, not purely out of intrinsic love for this world. That's number one. Number two, ap- number two is heedlessness from remembrance of Allah. When we just don't even think it's necessary to remember Allah. We don't think it's remember, necessary to remember Him. As I said, there are many people who pray salat, but they don't really remember Allah in that. They do it as a ritual. So the remembrance of Allah is devoid of that. Did you think about Allah in your prayer? Even once? Maybe not in every posture, but at least once? Sometimes no, sometimes no. Even though we're taking Allah's name, we're taking it in a ritual. So can you imagine people who don't even pray at all? They don't even get to say the name of Allah. At least if we pray, we get Allahu Akbar. We might not focus and say Allah is greatest. May Allah give us prayers in which we have full consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is heedlessness from the remembrance of Allah. And the third sign he says is irsalul jawarih fi ma'asillah. Which is to let loose the limbs in the disobedience of Allah. Let loose means, that's a really good way of saying it. That's a really clever way of saying it. The reason is that if we're not careful, it's very easy to let the limbs slip. The eyes slip. The ears slip, the tongue slip, the feet and the hands, and etc, etc, slip. It's very easy. You actually have to keep it. Uh, that's taqwa. That's God consciousness to keep it in check. Unless we've made such an effort that we've put ourselves in an environment where it's very difficult to let it slip. Where they can't slip. Where it's difficult to let it slip. But that environment is very difficult to attain. It's not easy to have for everyone. The closest we've probably ever had it was with the Prophet ﷺ in Medina Munawwara. But we didn't get there. We weren't there. You get it in the masjid, if you're in i'tikaf, if you're in hajj, if you're in the path of Allah somehow. May Allah give us more of these opportunities. So those are the three things he says. Love of the world, heedlessness, no attentiveness to remembering Allah, no care to remember Allah. And number three is to let, just let the limbs loose without feeling any kind of regret or whatever in the disobedience of Allah. Okay, so that was how to kill the heart. Um, Unfortunately, many of us are very good at that. Uh, Allah Ta'ala make us bad at that. Um, then he says, then the means for enlivening the heart, rejuvenating the heart, giving it life, making it bright, are also three things. The opposite of the first, which is a zuhdu fi dunya, detachment from the love of the world. So we're in the world, but we're detached from it. We're using it, we have to use it. I'm only using you because I need to use you. Literally, it's like that. Right? Um, and uh, that's number one. Number, number two, to occupy oneself with the remembrance of Allah. And number three, he says, is keeping the company. So this one is uh, not the opposite of the, the, the one in, that was the sign of, that, that was a cause for the, uh, the death of the heart. This one is, and being in the company of the friends of Allah. 
being in the company of those who are close to Allah, the awliya Allah. Because that has a huge benefit on a human being. Humans are very social. Humans learn from others more than learn from anything else. Whether you like it or not, that's how we learn. So being in the company of good people is going to keep us in check. It's going to benefit us. It's going to remind us. The company helps us to be in the environment to do something. When we're sitting here in this dhikr gathering, we could still think of wrong things, but we're more likely not to. Because we're sitting in a masjid, we're sitting where the words of Allah and His Messenger are being spoken about. Everybody else's heart is focused on that. It just makes it easier. Then after that, he says that the sign of the death is three things. The first one is which, he, uh, which, he's, uh, which Ibn Atayla has mentioned, which is not to feel any kind of sadness over any of the opportunity for obedience that we could have had and taken in the past. That we didn't fill our accounts. And number two was not to feel regret over whatever mistakes we've made and slip-ups we've done. And number three, he says that this is actually one of the signs of the death of the heart is that if you continue to remain with heedless people. You can't change with heedless people. I mean, that's just a given. The more we stay with heedlessness around us, we pick that up. Unless we're the leaders and we're trying to change that heedlessness. We've got a plan. We're taking people in the, wrong, uh, in the right direction. But otherwise, if we're just with the heedless, you can't. That's why a lot of people, they, mashallah, they retire to the masjid in their advanced age. They spend more time in the masjid. Rather than, so, mashallah, we've got a lot of older people and some younger ones who will stay between Maghrib and Isha. Or, you know, any two prayers. And, uh, the, because for them, they've just found this love in being away from things that are distracting. And a safe place is the masjid. As long as you don't get involved in the politics of the masjid. Shaitan is everywhere, unfortunately. You might be seeing the masjid, you get involved in the politics of the masjid. Just look, who do we like to be around? Where do we enjoy being? Are we trying to get out of that kind of situation? If we can't get out of it, at least we dislike it or we minimize it or we protect ourselves in it. We be more caution in it. So I think that really puts everything in perspective anyway. He says because... Um, another way to explain this, he says, لِأَنَّ صُدُورَ الطَّاعَةِ مِنَ الْعَبْدِ عُنْوَانُ السَّعَادَةِ For any good thing to be able to come from a human being, from a slave of Allah, for any good thing that comes, that signals to one fact that there's hope for you for salvation in the hereafter. That's why you're doing good things. Any good that we can get to do in this world, at the end of the day, is tawfiq, right? I was just speaking to a doctor who was with me in Hajj. Uh, he's from America. I got to speak to him after many, many, many months, maybe over a year. And he says, um, we're getting older, but I'll tell you something. You can't do anything without the tawfiq of Allah. Nothing happened. No good can happen in your life without Allah wanting that to happen. And we can, on, we can only expect Allah want that to happen for us if we want it to happen from Him. Then He enables us. He enables us to do it. Otherwise, if we're distracted, we're constantly showing Him negligence. Why should He do that? Why should He force us? We have free will in this world. So that's why he's saying that if, if good does come from a person, that just shows that it's good fortune for that person. 
And then the opposite is true as well. If bad and bad deeds come of a person, that's a sign of shakawa, which means being wretched in the hereafter. That it doesn't forebode well. It doesn't look good. So then he says the easiest way is فَإِنْ كَانُ الْقَلْبُ حَيًّا بِالْمَعْرِفَةِ وَالْإِيمَانِ آلَمَهُ مَا يُوجِبُ if the heart is going to be alive with Allah's, with knowing Allah and Iman, full of Iman, then it's going to pain the heart. Anything that would cause a person to be wretched in the hereafter, that would pain us. Man, this is wrong. I know I'm doing it, but this is really painful. I know there's pleasure in it as well, but it's actually really painful. Like That should dominate. And once that dominates, then the pleasure of that will go away. Otherwise, haram things are very pleasurable usually. That's why we do them. So it's this heart over matter almost that we have to start thinking, start thinking that no, this is wrong. This is going to be bad for me. I can't do it. This overindulgence, uh, like too much sugar or too much smoking or, or smoking at all or anything like that is bad for me even though it's so pleasurable and so attractive. No, I can't do it. You have to overcome it that way. That's why he's saying that any heart which is alive is going to be pained. And if we do end up doing something which is supposed to attain good fortune for us in the hereafter, we're going to be happy about it. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, I managed to do that today. Alhamdulillah, I managed to fulfill this or do my qadha prayers or do all my prayers to do in the masjid, to give that maturity to do that donation, to assist in this, to do that, it makes you feel good. And it genuinely does. He then says, Another way to look at this is, Whenever goodness comes from a person, whenever a person does a good deed, then consider that to be a sign of Allah's being pleased with him. That's another way to look at it. Allah is pleased with us, inshaAllah. Allah is pleased with us. And whenever bad comes from us, then consider that that is a sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is angry with us. So he's letting us, he's not, what do you mean? It's not like he's pushing us to do it, but he's letting us do it. The way Allah does it is that he just takes it away from us. He just takes his assistance away. And then we just incline, we just go wrong. Otherwise, there's people who, because they're doing certain good things or somebody's du'as with them, they want to do bad and they can't do it. They want to go out and commit a haram. And the friend they're supposed to go with doesn't show up that day. And they curse him on the phone. But a week later they come to this and like, Alhamdulillah, I didn't go. Alhamdulillah, Allah saved us. That's the barakah of doing good deeds, so it protects us from other bad deeds. That's the barakah of having our parents' du'as with us, our teachers' du'as and pious people's company and du'a. All of this is a quantum world we live in where all of this is impacting, because everything has an impact. Subhanallah. That's why he says then, فَالْقَلْبُ الْحَيُّ يُحِسُّ بِمَا يُرْضِيهِ عِنْدَ مَوْلَاهُ the heart has to become sensitive. Our hearts aren't sensitive. They, they, they're blunt. They have no feeling. That's why we can't feel either way. So this is the third way he's explaining now. 
He says the heart, the living heart will be a sensitive heart. Which means it's sensitive enough to understand what is going to be pleasing Allah. And thus it's going to become excited by it and happy by it. It just shows we're desensitized. We have no sensitivity because that's dead. Then he says, and likewise, they will have the sensitivity and consciousness of what brings about the wrath of Allah and the displeasure of Allah. So then they will feel bad about it. It happens slowly, slowly. We do a wrong, we feel bad. We carry on doing it. Somebody justifies it or we overcome and we do it. And then we feel a bit bad only. And then the third time we feel very less bad, if at all. And then after that we stop feeling bad. And then one day when we hear a lecture or get a reminder or something happens in our life and we're like, oh, that must be it. Allah make it easy for us. Allah make it easy for us. So then he says, a dead heart doesn't feel anything, has no sensitivity, has no feeling. It's the same for him. It's absolutely equal for him. If it does a good deed or a bad deed, it makes no, no difference. Sometimes they have to do good deeds because they're with others or whatever the case, or to actually, actually I have to do Jumu'ah, or it's Ramadan, so I have to practice. It makes no real big difference about it. And then he says, لا يفرحوا بطاعة وموافقة They don't get very excited or uh, joyous when they do some obedience or conformance to the Sharia. And ولا يحزنوا على زلة They don't become unhappy when they make a mistake. ولا معصية Or even a sin for that matter. Just like a dead person. You do what you want to a dead body, nothing happens. You do what you want to a dead body, dead body, you know, they're at the people's mercy. Nothing happens. That's the same kind of thing with this. That's why we, the, the Prophet sums it up beautifully. He says, مَنْ Whoever's good deeds make them happy and whoever's bad deeds upset them, then he's a true believer. Prophet has told us multiple, he's provided multiple definitions of a believer in terms of what we can do in life to be a true believer, what's required for us, and this is just one of them. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu says, Al-Mu'minu yara dhunubah ka'annahu fi asli jabal yakhafu an yaqa alayh. What a beautiful example he says that a believer, he sees himself, uh, he sees, actually he sees his sins. He, the way he observes his sins is like he is standing underneath a huge mountain that is going to topple over him any time like it's precarious it can fall any time there could be an avalanche or the whole mountain can just just follow anything for that matter that's how bad he sees a sin whereas a fajir which means a transgressor they look at their sins like some fly that settled on their nose and they've just kind of moved it off. It's not a big deal. Like how, how, how easy is it to just move a fly off? It's not a big deal at all. It's like we just do that. It's a bit inconvenient. It keeps coming back. It's a bit inconvenient. But it's not as serious as the house is going to drop down on you. 
So yeah, he just goes like this and causes the flight to move away. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq to give us the ability to feel bad about the years that we've passed. Because our uh, days continue whether we like it or not. The time doesn't stop and we've got an end time, we've got a destination to get to. And the train of our life is just hurtling down. It's just going towards its destination. Don't care about anything. It just goes. It's just on track. It doesn't get derailed. It knows exactly where to go. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us and compensate us uh, uh, if we can summon up enough remorse over the past. Because we can. He's so generous. He is so generous, subhanAllah. He is so generous. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to remember Him and do everything that we do with his thought in mind. And when we make a mistake, we seek forgiveness and we feel really bad about it so that we repent and we can do good deeds to compensate. Allah make it easy. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakta ya dhal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannan ya mannan la ilaha illa ant. Subhanaka inna kunna min al-zalimeen. يا معدن الجود والكرم يا أكرم الأكرمين ويا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المؤتين يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم اغفر لنا اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات يا الله يا الله we ask you for your special mercies Ya Allah, we thank you for allowing us to be here. We Allah, we thank you for allowing us to remember you. <coughs> oh Allah, however broken our worship is, however weak our remembrance is, Ya Allah, however distracted we are, however negligent we've been, at the end of the day we are your servants. And Ya Allah, we have love for you. Ya Allah, we worship you. Ya Allah, we believe in you. We acknowledge you. We affirm you. Ya Allah, we do not deny, deny you. Yes, we get sidetracked. We get distracted. We become negligent. We become lazy. We keep delaying. We have good ideas and then after that we fail and we drop and we fall down. Oh Allah, we need your assistance. Oh Allah, only your assistance can take us to paradise. Only your tawfiq can make us do good deeds. Oh Allah, only your help can assist us only your help can be beneficial for us. We need your support. We've seen in this world when children are learning how to walk and they get tired, then their parents pick them up. Oh Allah, we need picking up. We are tired from fighting against the shaitan and our nafs. Oh Allah, we want to be good. We get up in the morning with good intentions. We leave from the masjid with good intentions. But by the time the next hour, few hours have passed, we have broken these we have broken these pledges and we have changed our mind or we have become distracted. Oh Allah, we ask that you assist us and help us. Oh Allah, we are thankful to you for allowing us to be believers, allowing us to be those who pray and those who want to be good. But oh Allah, now make us good. Oh Allah, make us how you want us to be. Oh Allah, make us how you want us to be. Oh Allah, sometimes we don't even know what's good for us. We get caught up in different things. We get pulled from different directions, we get pushed into different directions, we get attracted by different things. But oh Allah, 
We ask that you assist us and guide us aright. And we ask you for your love and the love of all of those things and all of those people who love you too. Oh Allah, we ask that you make our surrounding environment to be a good one that will remind us of you. And oh Allah, we ask that you make our environment such that makes us sensitive to the things that we're doing and to be happy with our good deeds and to be sad with our bad deeds and the ability to stop them. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we need your assistance. This is so difficult for us to do. Oh Allah, bless all of those who are here and those who are listening. Oh Allah, those who are listening. Oh Allah, bless all of those. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant a respite and a delivery for all of those around the world in the various different countries that are suffering. And oh Allah, protect us here as well and everywhere else. And oh Allah, protect Islam here, protect the masjids, the marakis, the institutes, and everybody else that's doing good work for you. And oh Allah, allow us all to take a part in this and become part of those who serve the deen, part of those who serve people, part of those who assist people, so that our life is a rich life, our right life is a fulfilling life, our life is a hayat and tayyibah, so that when we die, we die with a good life. We die with a good life and lots to, lots to contribute in the hereafter, and we rise up and you accept us as well. We rise accepted by you, oh Allah accept us, oh Allah accept our children and our progeny and our families and accept us all. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun al mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Uh, the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially for example the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials certificate which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that inshallah you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind, you can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.